It's me, Dr. Z with JB. Today, John and I talk about adult children of narcissistic parents. We discuss the necessity of identifying patterns as well as the importance of setting boundaries in these very complex and toxic dynamics. Also, let it be known that John did not have his ear pods in use the entire time. He just pretended to. Good evening, everybody. It's another episode of Dorks with Blisters. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. Z. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I uh, there's, a, there's a baby in front of us, so I just want everybody to be, be warned about that. But uh, hopefully our soothing voices will let this, uh, let this little, little, little girl go to sleep for all. So uh, I'm uh, excited to be back here again tonight. Thank you, everyone, again, for tuning in to... Uh, the live, I apologize. It was totally my fault. Well, actually, it was Vince Quinn's fault, if we're being honest. I'm just going to throw him under the bus real quick. But uh, I'm glad to be here on a Monday night with Dr. Z. If this is your first time here, I am John Barchard, JB. That is Dr. Z. It's uh, Dr. Z with JB, and uh, glad that you could join us for session 13. And uh, last episode, uh, session 12, was our most listened to uh, out of uh, our entire podcast lineup. So thank you guys yeah. so much. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> um, Dr. Z posted some great, great things. And thank you for getting us into the uh, top 100 for mental health in podcasting there in the United States. We appreciate it. Um, and uh, Someone's you know, listening to us. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is a good thing. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback. The reviews have been great. And uh, we thank you uh, for that. Also, it seems as though there are a lot of us that are dealing with narcissistic people in our lives, and um, and this week is is no different too. And uh, I've something that I I have can say I have not experienced, which is uh, narcissistic parenting and things like that, but have seen it in so many of my friends and their parents and their behavior. And yes, Carol, you may always ask a question. Anyone can ask a question as we're going through uh, this entire time. We'll try and make sure to get through every single one of them. If you are listening to this on the podcast and still want to ask a question, my DMs are always open on Instagram and on Twitter at John Barchin. And of course, you can always follow Dr. Z underscore psychologist on the Instagram as well. Uh, but um, what what is it uh, about? Well, I mean, we, we, we know how narcissists act. So uh, how, how are we supposed to deal with the people that are supposed to love us and supposed to unconditionally love us, but don't give a crap about, you know, anybody but themselves. And it's your parents this time. That's mm -hmm. some, something that is very, uh, I would say very, be very hard to deal with. Yeah. So this is a toughie. Um, I mean, it's always tough, but this, this is a toughie because this is something that goes against the grain. Mm -hmm. This is something that goes against I want to go so far as to say nature, you know, nurturing, it, it goes in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. um, and it really is, and I'm going to kind of jump ahead and then go backwards, but it really is by the time I get somebody in my office as the adult child, because I don't work with kids, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, one, I'm sitting right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but by the time they get to my office, there is such an intense mourning process that has to take place as part of the healing process. And by mourning process, I mean letting go of the 
idea that you never did and never will get that type of parenting mm -hmm. that you deserved, mm -hmm. period. And it's really difficult because, you know, you only get one shot at life and you were dealt this. And so it's, it's a really kind of gut-wrenching um, realization when, when my patients kind of realized that, that it really had nothing to do with them, that it could have been anyone else that was born and it wouldn't have made a difference. And they find some comfort in that after many years of therapy, you know, we'll talk about why, um, but it, it, it's, it just goes against everything that we know as parents. And you don't even need to be a parent to, to understand how unbelievably toxic and sad that, that it is. Um, and so that by the time people come to my office, um, you know, they're, they're still in the thick of things and they're trying to figure out how to set boundaries. Most of them have had kids. Um, and they're really trying to navigate their way through life with having a really difficult model, um, you know, as, for, as far as their guide for how to go forward. Yeah, and, and what, um, we, we think we know what narcissism is at this point, if you listen to us, but if we're unsure about, like, what a narcissistic parent might sound like, is it any different than anything else that we've kind of gone through uh, in the past here? So typically we've been talking about dating, right? Mm -hmm. We've been taking, talking about what it looks like in dating to date a narcissist. Um, and some of the strategies, many of the strategies are actually quite similar. Gaslighting, mm -hmm. um, silent treatments, emotional abuse, manipulation. Um, it's very similar, it's just the context is, is different, obviously. Um, there is the still discarding phase, but, but not finding another child like a narcissist you're dating would find another girlfriend. So it does look different within the house, uh, but the tactics and the strategies are very much the same. Um, the difference is that a child doesn't have the wherewithal, doesn't have the emotional or cognitive IQ to notice patterns, to know they need help, to know that it's not them. So they live for a much longer time thinking that it's them. Mm -hmm. That yeah, like my, my mom or my dad flies off the handle, but it's, but it's my fault. I have to keep the peace. I have to make sure everything's okay. I, 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 I. Whereas if you're in a relationship with a 30 something year old, you have the cognitive capabilities after a while you know, to go to therapy, to realize your role in this, to realize that it didn't have to do with you. So it's a different type of um, message, internalized message that a child's given versus um, an adult child in a, in a relationship with a narcissist. And would you give the same advice that you would to anybody that's dealing with a narcissist, except it's with a parent? Would you say, get away from them and adios and, and whatever, or is this like- So this is more situation specific. Mm -hmm because um, sometimes for whatever reason, it's a little bit harder to completely remove yourself. So what we work on instead of a no contact, which sometimes is absolutely 100% necessary, and I have worked on that with people. Um, if you can't for any reason that makes logical sense, can't have a no contact with them, then we work on setting serious boundaries with them that they can implement, that they can utilize over time. So. 
um, it may not necessarily be the same as um, a relationship because sometimes no contact is not possible. Um, just like with co-parenting, sometimes no contact is not possible. Uh, so it does look a little bit different. And listen, there's also something to be said for the person or the people who are supposed to love you unconditionally. Yeah. Only love you based on certain conditions. Mm. And that's an internalized message that when you're dating a narcissist, yeah, you may still get that, but it's not as, um, it's not so much to the core as it is when it's a parent. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a total gut punch. And yes. that when you, you know, a, a parent's going to show up at your door and say all these things. And it's kind of, it is, I mean, in a way it is love bombing, except they know it's, you are attached to this person. Like mm -hmm. you, <laughs> you know, and yeah, well the love, I mean the love bombing with a child or with, you know, or an adult child could look anything like buying them tons of gifts. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, Christmas comes and they just overload them with gifts and, um, or, you know, they, 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 for whatever reason, brag about them so much or just some sort of materialistic or they, they take them, to, you know, let's have a mommy, daughter, daddy, daughter, dinner date and movies, just us. And, you know, and they take you out and you feel like you're connected. It's just like love bombing. And then it just stops. Yeah. So again, it's that intermittent reinforcement cycle of whatever I did work because they love me now. So let me try to keep doing that. But when in reality, that had nothing to do with why they were doing what they were doing. So the child grows up having absolutely no idea what the rules are because there are no rules. And once they think they figured out the rules to get loved, the narcissistic parent will just change it again. You have to remember, a narcissistic parent views their child as an object, mm -hmm. similar to how a narcissistic partner views their significant other. So... They're, they're, the child is essentially an extension of them. Mm -hmm. And so if their extension of them does not meet their needs, what they think is appropriate, then they're bad, right? Again, it's that bad, good thing. If that child does what their parent deems is appropriate, they'll love them as much as they're capable of in that, in that moment, right? Um, However, if they perform poorly at something or they do something that makes the parent look bad, everything's cut right, right off again. Um, it's, it's actually quite common. Mm -hmm. um, you also have the type of parents that are narcissists that will constantly reinforce how the child must cater to their needs, to the parent's needs before their own. You, you know, if you go out with your friends or you're going to leave me here all alone or when they go to college, you can't leave me. Who's going to take care of me? Or they start dating and that's, that's another disaster. And so um, the child is not allowed to grow wings and fly. The child's main job, yes, kid, the child's main job is to cater to the needs of the parent at the parent's beck and call. Yes. And when when those things don't happen just like hey hi everybody Aww. welcome Cor hi. join us here for a little bit i'm sorry so pretty hi hi um yeah and that's that can be very i mean that like we've been saying that's very confusing as a as a feeling to begin with like mm -hmm. this this should be automatically natural you know and mm -hmm. be like oh yes we'll that, that you I'm also owe them that's the other yeah. thing you yeah. owe them. You owe them for putting, for, for birthing you. You owe them for 
you know, making you gain weight when you were pregnant. They, they, you know, you owe them for all the things they gave up, all their career they gave up, their friends they gave up, the life they gave up, all to take care of you, and you are forever indebted to them. Yes, and then, and that never stops in your adult life either. Like it just kind of no. comes on and on and on and on. And obviously, I mean, at this point, if we're talking about ch children specifically with narcissistic parents, I mean, is that that's an automatic of, of what we've been kind of talking about in the past. So, I mean, these are children that are going to be very susceptible in finding those types of relationships, correct? Yeah. So, so a couple things can happen. It's never all or nothing, but yeah. you could have a narcissistic parent who is highly critical of their child. Nothing they ever do is right. Um, they feel like they are worthless pieces of shit. And that is the way that the narcissistic parent gets fuel, right? When we talk about getting fuel. So if they feel they can control the child's perception of themselves in such a way that, you know, we talk about a shell of themselves and isolated from others, that even if a teacher says, great job, the child doesn't believe that to be true. Why? Because the parent is the one that's saying, well, of course they're going to say that to you, but you, you know, look what you did. It's terrible. It's awful. You should be ashamed of yourself. I should have had another kid. Um, it gets pretty brutal. Um, so that child could either be susceptible to wall off everybody, right? That child could one day as an adult, um, you know, look for a partner who compliments that highly critical person, again, making right. them feel like nothing to do is good enough. Or they could go the opposite direction, become extremely perfectionistic, have very high expectations of themselves, and therefore have extremely high expectations of others. So it really depends on you know, kind of which way they, they go with that. It depends pr probably too. well, it does depend on the other parent, where the other parent is in this whole dynamic. Is yeah. the other parent a narcissist? Are they more dependent? Are the, are the parents codependent? So there's no one really protecting the child. Is there a favorite? A lot of times narcissistic parents, more than one child will have a favorite child. And it is known, well known. So that child sometimes can become the narcissist later in life because right. they are the golden child. They have no consequences to their actions. There's a lot of animosity between siblings when that happens. Yeah, and that's a, uh, and the and the feeling is that when they show up at the door too, <laughs> it's just you can. And I saw Allie even in here asking a question of just like, hey, you know. Uh, have you ever heard of uh, of narcissistic parents or narcissistic children like charging their their parents with a crime or something like that? I'm like, yeah, sometimes, absolutely. Like I've I've known friends that, it, and I think it's even been in a like 2020 type of situation. Yeah, they'll take your social security, your credit. That's right. The, that a lot of times, you'll see a lot of financial stuff that happens with the narcissistic parent and the children. They feel that the child's not entitled to certain assets because the parent wants to be in control of it. They don't look at it as a way for the child to take the money and do, you know, and grow their life with it because finances is just like in relationships we talked about. Financial abuse is very much alive and well when it comes to narcissistic parents and their children. Um, they dictate who's given what, how much, um, under what conditions. So yeah, that, that absolutely can happen. The other thing that I see a lot, narcissistic parents who are still in touch with their, their kids, Mm -hmm. You say show up at their door. Zero boundaries. They will just show up at their house, walk right in, tell them how they're supposed to parent, tell them how they're not parenting well, tell them how their house should look, their laundry should be folded, how, how their hair should look, their clothes should look, the image they're portraying to others. It doesn't end. Um, it just takes a different 
shape. So what are the strategies then to not go insane? Because I mean, it's just, it is a, and I think people feel this too. Once you recognize it, you can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. You hear it and you over and over, you know, and yeah. some narcissistic parents also have alcohol or drug problems yeah. on top of that. So what is, what is the strategy? So you don't, are not like terrified and, you know, going through this traumatic thing every time they show up at your door. Yeah. So as an adult child, um, one of the things first that I work on with my patients is, is identifying the patterns. So they may, you have to understand too, when parent, when ch adult children come in to talk about their parent, they're not coming in saying, I have a narcissistic parent, let's fix this. They're coming in feeling like they have no self-esteem, their dating is down the toilet, they have no friends, they don't know what they want to do in their lives, um, they have no ability to make decisions they have no faith in their decisions. And so when I see that, and then we kind of talk about family dynamics, it becomes a little bit clearer. So at that time though, you still want to be really cautious because that adult child is still very protective mm -hmm. of their parents, even though it's, it's, it seems backwards. Why would they be protective? Because for years, the internalized message has been given, you can't function without me. I will permanently be in control of you. Even yep. if I cut you off when I feel like it, you still are under my control. And I don't mean like under my roof, you do what I say. I mean, your thoughts, your emotions, your everything. You personally are an, are an extension of me. You are an accessory of me. I control you. And so Pretty when, bad, right? yeah, it's very, and so when they come into my office, there's a lot of guilt. They feel like they're bad mouthing their parents. They feel like they're betraying them. Um, it's all extremely common. So when they start to talk about it and we start to look at the patterns and they see that they're able to start to predict the patterns and they also think it's odd that I'm able to predict what's going to happen <laughs> next when I know nothing about their parents. And so I'll always say like, well, how, what do you think about the fact that you can predict what comes next and so can I, but I don't, I don't know your parents. Mm. And they'll say, well, because it's a pattern. Correct. And so if it's a pattern, what do we know about patterns? we can change them, we can break them, exactly. So outside of a narcissistic family relationship dynamic, when you change a pattern, right, you throw, we talked about this, if everyone here is in your family and you decide to go left when everybody's used to you going right, you throw the entire system off balance. No one may know what's going on, everyone just feels off. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine with a narcissistic adult child setting a boundary with a parent, for example, let's say that parent calls every night at 10 o'clock when they know that's when the kids go down. Right. Okay. And you've told them repeatedly, don't call 10 o'clock. Don't call 10. What do they do? Call 10 o'clock. But you're answering still. And you, you still know you shouldn't, but you're answering anyway because you're scared. They're going to, what are they going to do? Are they going to get mad? The guilt. So I have them pick something very small to start with. So let's say it's that. And I have them turn their ringers off. Sounds really, really silly, but the impact of that is basically saying to the parent, you don't have control over me right now. It's not about the 10, it's not about the 10 o'clock phone call. It never was about the 10. It's about bypassing your needs. Mm -hmm. Your needs don't exist. I'll call whenever the hell I want to. Right. So when you set that boundary, understand you're going to get a hell of a lot of pushback like, what, no one wants to talk to me, you don't love me anymore, um, you know, you're acting different, I don't know what's wrong with you, I don't like your therapist, I don't know what your therapist is doing to you. <laughs> I have so many moms that hate me. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so many <laughs> exes, husbands. <laughs> um, and over time, they realize that they can set all these boundaries. And not only does their life get easier, but the narcissistic parent still hasn't gone anywhere. Right. And, and they're more than likely not going to go anywhere. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, and when they, when they realize that, it gives them more flexibility to be able to set boundaries. And so before you know it, you've now constructed this world around the narcissistic parent so that you can live the way you want to live. Mm. Um, and now you have these boundaries set in place, but it takes a lot of therapy, a lot, a lot of understanding and replacing the guilt and the shame, the anger. There's a ton of anger. Um, and also fear of, I have a lot of patients who are fearful of having their own children, be, understandably so. And so that plays a big role in it as well. And how could, is that, um, it's interesting that you just say, yeah, and that makes uh, complete sense. I, how would, uh, how does that work in, in, in someone's mind that like it, it just because they believe that they're going to pass that literal thing on to. Well, their... they've been told their whole lives, they're pieces of shit. Right. They're scared to death that they're going to make their children feel like that. Um, they've probably been told they'll be crappy parents or they're fearful that if they have a kid, their mother is going to take over like their mother mm -hmm. takes over everything. So it's another way for their mom to control them. Right. Or dad or dad or dad to control them. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that go with that. Uh, but the one thing I do say is that the difference is, is that you have awareness. You're able to see these patterns. You know how you don't want to be. That's, that's a luxury that your, your parents just didn't have. Yeah. And I think built into every single one of us, we're all terrified of turning into our parents. Anyways, yep. doubling down on that and having that environment is, yeah, uh, cert certainly not fun, uh, to, uh, yeah to uh, try and plan that out and that's it yeah like okay you do have that child in there like how quickly should you end that or put that boundary in place if you know hey in three months this child is going to come uh you know do, do is it preemptive that you need to do all this stuff or is it after the fact i mean some of it's going to be on the fly but when it, yes i would say preemptive but you also now have a partner mm-hmm and that partner may not have any idea what is in store for them. Yeah. They may have no idea what narcissistic parents look like. I mean, and so there's, there's either a lot of charming that goes on. So the new, the new person in the family is like, Oh, don't be, why are you so mean to your mom? She's being so sweet. And you're just like, Oh my Ugh. God. <laughs> right. Or, <laughs> or, right. Or, you know, you're bringing this other person into this hostile, narcissistic environment, and they're like, whoa, and they start setting boundaries, and you're like, no, 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 you can't do that to my mom, you can't do that to my dad. So this is something that will have to be worked out prior to any major decisions in your relationship, because it's not just a you and your parent, it becomes you and your spouse and your parent and your child. So you have to be very, very um, ahead of the game with that stuff. Obviously things will come up, but going into it, you guys need to have an agreement because you must present as a unified front because that parent will try to split between you and your significant other. Right? And, and with a good question on that too. I mean, it, is, it, is it possible to have a healthy relationship with a narcissistic parent or is it just defense mode here? No, no. If they have a true narcissistic disorder, which I know we don't say anymore, and I want to actually say something about that in a second, so I'm okay. shelving that. 
But um, if we're talking about true narcissism, you will never have a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. You will only be able to have the type of relationship that they want you to have. They'll call that healthy. Yeah. You won't feel healthy. But if that's what you want, you'd have to do everything they say. Yeah. And that's that where the grieving process comes into play. And uh, it's more about, I, I feel as though, making, your, making yourself healthy. You know, if once yes. you... You've got to, like you've been saying, if you take the value, unfortunately, that's the hard part. You've got to take the value of that relationship out of your Yes. And once you do that, then it just becomes a kind of fun, funny game like we've been discussing with any, any type of narcissist in your, in your life. But that's right. until you can get there with therapy, like you're saying, and, and doing that and doing that and valuing yourself again, and I think there's a lot of people that... We're even asking tonight, you know, like, hey, how come I attract all these toxic people in my life and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I, I do really think it could start there and it doesn't. Oh, it does. Oh, without question. It doesn't even have to be a narcissistic parent no. less either. It's just that's it's just that, the patterns. Start there and ask, like, why did it? Why? Yeah. Do, it, so, it, it's hard to say, but it is you. <laughs> yeah, correct. It is, exactly. Yeah. So I want to bring something up because. Um, I had gotten a comment about this and I posted this on Instagram and it's not the first time I've gotten this, but for some reason, this one just really, this one pissed me off mm -hmm. and I felt the need to explain myself. So I'm going to just kind of dive into it here because Please. I think it really applies to this. Um, first is when you have a narcissistic parent, you do not under any circumstances need to forgive them. Let me restate that. <laughs> Under no circumstances do you need to forgive your abuser, your narcissistic parent, in order for you to move forward in life. Do you need to process the anger, the guilt, the shame, the sadness, the, the grief, the bereavement? Yes, you do. Do you need to forgive them to have inner peace? No, you don't. I also, along those same lines, got this comment how as a psychologist I should have more empathy mm -hmm. and I should <laughs> I should <laughs> right? I, yeah, I should have more empathy and I should look at the narcissist as a wounded human mm -hmm. So let me just explain to people that are watching why I have a problem with that. And you can watch my rant on my Instagram stories at Dr. Z <laughs> underscore psychologist. Very, very um, yeah. uh, I am For those of you who know me or work with me or have been following us or following my page for all, you know that I am very passionate about certain things and that I am very protective over my patients and very protective over the people that I help. I feel it's my job, my responsibility with this platform. So I don't mess around with the information that I give out. I make sure it's accurate, make sure I do my research. Okay. So is a narcissistic mother, we'll use in this example, a wounded human? Yes, 100%, absolutely. Some really bad shit happened to them that transpired and made them into who they are. Is it their job to change that if it doesn't work for them. Yes, absolutely, 100%. We are all, to some extent, wounded human beings. Your upbringing, my upbringing, we all, we all had something, right? And we all had a turning point in our lives where we could continue to blame our parents or 
we could figure it out and move forward. Pick up the shovel. Yeah. Pick up the shovel and move yeah. forward. Does that mean you need to forgive your parents? No, unless it's something that keeps dragging you back, unless it's a weight you keep carrying, but you don't have to forgive them. You know, you can look at them as limited, right? They were limited. Um, but it also doesn't mean you need to accept what they did. There's a very big difference. So I was told that I am not showing empathy towards narcissists because they too are wounded humans. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. So sorry. I do believe that they are wounded humans. They are to the core. They are wounded humans. Do I feel badly that they were given the life that they were given because they didn't ask for it? Absolutely. But if you think for one second that I am going to have a female patient in my office crying to me that she was sexually abused every night yeah. if she refused to have sex or beaten because she cooked her eggs wrong or manipulated and told she was worthless her entire existence, that she could do nothing right and was just completely gaslit her entire existence, for me to say to her, I understand, but this is a wounded human too. Uh, oh, hell no. Because here's what's going to happen. That, that comment to them, two things. One, first, completely invalidating of all their experiences. Yeah. Right there, done, bye. Okay? The second thing is they know their significant other is a wounded person which is why that narcissist picked them in the first place because that person catered to this wound for their entire relationship that was never filled ever period yeah so for those who think i am wrong for calling somebody a narcissist instead of a wounded human guys sorry but not sorry yeah. Why are you the fact that you even have to apologize for that is, is Oh I didn't apologize I didn't apologize. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You said sorry. I just I just want to put that out there for the people that aren't familiar with this who then you know I always say this. Please, please, hmm. if you don't understand narcissism to the like teeniest, 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 teeniest point, don't treat it. Yeah. I beg of you. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get this woman in or a man in and she's going to tell you stories and it's gonna, he's going to come in or she's going to come in and it's going to look like he's trying really hard and she's going to suggest you go on a date night, guys. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> or she's going to say, well, why don't you try one more time? It sounds like he's really trying. So I beg of you, if you don't understand narcissism, don't give advice to your friends and please don't treat it as a therapist. Refer out. Like... Eating disorders, could I treat it? Sure. Will I treat it? Do I understand the nuances of it? Uh-uh. I refer out. OCD, refer out. There's uh, Substance abuse disorders, refer out. Yeah. I know what I don't know, and it's not a bad thing. Saying somebody with an eating disorder, oh, just have a salad. I'm sure it'll be fine. That's basically what you're saying to that person. You know, it's just like, oh, my God. Or what? Mm -hmm. you're like, uh, yes, I... I too, that, because that's, you're, you're working with someone who has no... Uh-huh. I'm getting to that in a second. You, you are working with somebody who has no self-core anymore. It has been robbed of that. It, it, it's gone. And so every single word I say to my patient, they are taking in what I say to them and 
holding on to it for dear life, praying to God that I am not lying to them. Like it, it is such a scary place to be. And so I'll be damned if I'm going to then reinforce how, well, yeah, but they are a wounded person too. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just not. I'm just, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. Kenzie's saying the same thing. Oh my God, exactly what happened to me. They referred us to the love languages. What did I say on session? What did you ask me about this on like podcasts that were about the love languages? And I was like, Ugh! I started twitching <laughs> because it's fine if you're not dealing with a narcissistic partner. I think love languages and that it makes so much sense and it's so helpful in relationships. It needs to be pieced back together. But when you are working with a narcissistic partner, no, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. uh, you shouldn't even be, there should be no couples therapy with a narcissistic partner, period. Period. No. And, period. And I, I hope everyone takes your advice, especially everyone that's in the field of- Well, uh, riled up now. <laughs> so, so somebody had asked a question about, but it's my mother. But she's your mother, yes. Okay. So, yes, they are your mother. Mm -hmm. However, you are her daughter. Boom. Boom. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, what's the usual answer that you get from a narcissist when you say that? I mean, well, the narcissism carries. They'll, but right. when somebody says, you know, like, oh, but, like, you know, but, but Jamie, it's your mom. Okay, but, but I'm her daughter. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of gets a little weird because then you have to say, well, like, what do you mean? Well... Would you do X, Y, and Z to your daughter? Because remember, but I'm her daughter, you know? And so you want to put it back on that because people that don't have these types of experiences, it doesn't even have to be a narcissistic parent. It could be abusive and another over-controlling in another way. It doesn't have to be a narcissist. When somebody has these really traumatic upbringings or these, these really unhealthy patterns growing up, there's already this unspoken guilt. Mm -hmm of the fact that they may not love their parent. That's a really heavy thing for a child to carry with them, even into adulthood, that like, yeah. shit, I don't love my parent. And think about it like this, and this is what you can say to people too. What on earth would have to happen for a child to actively and willingly cut a parent out, significantly limit interactions with the parent, or not love them. Like, some bad shit had to have happened because no child is going to voluntarily up and out and just not talk to them. So look at it from that standpoint. And if you're said, but it's your dad, but it's your sister, but it's your mother, yes, and I'm their child. And if yeah. you say, well, you know, they're, they're really old, they're getting older, they're really sick, they really could need you. Your response to them? I was five. I was seven. I needed them. Exactly. And Period. they in with anyway. And a lot of the time when it just comes down to this and like there is that guilt, I mean, you're just going to huge amount of guilt, have that parent move closer to you towards the end anyway, because you're going to go, well, I mean, no one else is going to take care of them. And I, you know, yes, but you don't have to, right? You do I, not have to. I, well, I mean, like, I'll yeah. be I've had time. I've had hard times tell, talking to friends about that yes. stuff. What should you say in that matter? If they're, I don't know what to tell them. If they're, if they're, if they're using the phrase, but I'm, 
I'm, you know, so, so if they're saying like, if you don't think they should take care of them, but they're saying, but, but it's my parent, it's my parent. Right. Um, you know, you, you're not there to make the decision for them, but it's something along the lines of if doing this for your parent is going to make you feel more at peace when they die, then you do it. But if you doing it is in any way, shape or form, getting your parent to apologize, acknowledge what they've put you through have awareness of what they put you through or apologize and lie about it because if they're a narcissist, they don't mean it anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you're hoping to gain something from them by helping them at end of life, you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it so that when they die, you know that you did the right thing for you, fine. And sometimes the right thing is not taking part of their end of life. And there is nothing wrong with it. I in my right mind, could never tell a child, an adult child, who was sexually abused by their father, you should be there at the end of his life. Yeah, unreal. No way. You know, and like, yeah. or tell a narcissistic mother who, who just gaslit and emotionally abused their child their entire lives to be there at the end because it's your mother. Yeah. It's, yeah, like that. You will get absolutely nothing from them. Yeah. And... Again, if you want to do it, great, but do it for yourself, not because you think you're going to get something from them. And I know this sounds harsh. And to people who have good families, I know you guys are listening to this going, okay, like, what the hell? This is absolutely batshit crazy. What is this woman talking about? Um, you're lucky. Yes. You're very, very lucky. And so have some, hold some space for the people that don't have that. Because, you know, and, 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 and be very grateful that you did have that. And you're very fortunate. Yeah. And, like, it really does put a perspective on you once you see it uh, in that. And, like, even if you feel as though you don't have the greatest relationship with your parents or whatever it is, and then you go, oh, man. And I actually think I told my parents that one night. I just said, you know what? Uh, this friend of mine who was so close to me, I was just like, I thought we were having issues. This person has no mom or dad that give a flying fuck about them like mm -hmm. to a point of they could have been they could have been a stranger on the street that's correct. A way different feeling than anything you've gone correct through. if you're fighting with your parents that means you guys care correct <laughs> you correct conflict does not mean hate. that's right and that's, that's right to remember too along the way and it's true and also you have to remember neglect that's something that's very common in narcissistic parents with with children neglect where the child is a burden. The child gets in the way of their life. They have to pick them up at school, but oh, I have a date. I don't, you know, or I have to pick them up from school. Like if my hair is still wet or, you know, some, something like that, where it's just, they're, they're, they're an annoyance. They're a burden. So these children are kind of forced to have to grow up very fast mm -hmm. because their needs are not met. And then they don't even expect that their needs are met. So they stop asking. Then translate into adulthood. Now you have somebody who won't ever ask for help. Either right. because they think they're too capable to ask for help or they think it's weak to ask for help or no one else is ever going to be able to do it better than me. See the narcissistic flair there. So um, someone said about choosing men. Yes, that happens often. Narcissistic moms um, will oftentimes choose men over their children. The children are in their way. Mm -hmm. If the child has any type of emotion the parent will say, you're too draining, you're too emotional, you're too this, you're too much, you know, you need therapy. And 
really just kind of belittle them for having these emotions. Um, now, that's not the same as a parent who gets annoyed when their parent cry, when their kid cries. Like if my, my little one tonight was crying because she didn't want to get in the bath and I just like rolled my eyes and walked away. Like, fine, you're yeah. beyond bathed. I can't, right. you know. But so, so like in that particular, is that neglect because I rolled my eyes and walked away no. and she didn't bathe? No, it's called survival and it happened for one night and, you know, yeah. we laugh it off. But, but if that is your constant chronic parent-child mode, um, neglect is just as bad as all the other things. It's very much a common strategy with narcissistic parents. I mean, they make that child feel as though they are a burden, they should be thankful they were birthed, and leave me alone because you're here and that should be enough. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, uh, Lynn Marie uh, chiming in and saying, this is exactly how my son feels about his father, my husband, if he dies, my son says he will not care one bit and I think that's a good that's a good healthy place to be mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. if you guys both know that that's going on and happening and one other question that was in here too which is who oh boy have I seen this as well and had to had to stick my elbows in here a couple of times but uh, if we we know we kind of understand that that bond of a biological parent but here come the in-laws and they're they're narcissistic and it's you know your child dealing with your Told major, whoever was, so when if, <laughs> if the in-laws are narcissistic in any way mm -hmm. and their child, whoever the adult child is, whether it's the mom or whether it's the, 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 the woman or the dad, yeah. um, if that parent, if, if that adult child does not present with their spouse as a unified front, but pairs with the, with the narcissistic parents, mm -hmm. It's a recipe for disaster. It's, it, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Unless the person they married is very dependent and very, you know, codependent and, and, and feels their needs don't matter. And so this allows that unhealthy pattern to perpetuate itself, mm -hmm. you know, but if it's somebody who does not have a codependent style, wants their family to be their family, they're not going to be okay with this and they're not going to be okay if their significant other doesn't present as a unified front. Now, this doesn't mean they have to always go against them. Sometimes they may be right or sometimes it may be something it's easier just to say yes. Mm -hmm. um, but your partner, if they don't have a awareness of this, it is a big problem. Yes. And if, yeah, do you think that that might happen to some of those that aren't aren't aware and just like don't understand why they're struggling in relationships because their parents yes. are getting involved in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh oh yeah. I have a lot of patients I see where their awareness of how unbelievably inappropriately over involved their parents are at an at when that child is an adult um, still to this day floors me um, because it's it's. Um, it, it literally, there is no separation sometimes between the child and the parent. It's, it's an extension. It's just, it's just an extension. And so trying to, and then the person comes in, I have no relationships. I'm, I have no friends. I can't do this. I can't. Well, yes, of course not, because your narcissistic parent is never going to allow for you to separate from them. You will never be allowed to have your own thoughts, your own opinions, because every time you have your own thought or opinion, you slowly are separating from them. They have less control over you. They get less fuel from you. So 
when a, an adult child starts to realize that and starts to make those changes and realizes like, oh my God, I have an entire life I haven't lived. I don't even know. I don't even know what my life is going to look like. I don't, you know, what do I like? What do I don't like? What, what do I want to do with my life? When they start to separate, that's when the narcissistic parent will, you know, do things that are extremely manipulative, like feign sickness or, yeah. um, you know, say they're broke or, yeah. you know, um, lie about a lot of things, try to suck them back. I mean, there's, it's so, it, you know, on and on and on. Um, that it's a, motel, I'm assuming, like all those things, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's probably the top end of narcissistic parent, right? I wasn't thinking that, but yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I'm here, you know. Uh, like those ridiculous those 70s, 60s, 80s references. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that, um, it, it, and that makes total sense. I mean, it, and it, I mean, for that, for the person that's not that you know, is, uh, has, is the in-law part of it for them, whether they're the male or the female. I mean, is there a, a kind of a stupid question now that I'm thinking about it, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just breaking points for you and what you can tolerate at that point. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, man, I, I would hate to be in that position. Correct. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, I, it's a, that really stinks. Yeah. That's just like a, it, it, it's really just an awareness thing, you know, right? And uh, I, I guess that comes back to what we were saying before. I'm like picking up your shovel and making sure you're going to therapy and making sure if yes. it continuously happen to you, then it's probably you. Yes. You need to, yes. You need to change something in a pattern in your life. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the other thing too, you know, we talk about, um, you know, word salad. We talk about that within couples, you know, how, you know, these arguments will turn into all this stuff and you don't even know what you're talking about anymore. And they'll lie and say, no, that never happened. And so as an adult, it's confusing sometimes with a narcissist too. like, well, no, I think they did say that, but maybe they didn't. You start to doubt yourself. Imagine a child. Mm -hmm. They depend on their parents to be their source of, you know, right and wrong, you know, their, their extended sets of self, they bounce things off of, they, they depend on them to be unconditionally truthful, unconditionally loving. And so if you think, no, I, I didn't leave that there. I, I didn't leave that there. And they're like, yes, you did. Yes, I no, did. I, did. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like, you know, it's not like I, you and I are like, um, no, it's, right. Like, no, a child, they, you know, you can see how that can happen so easily. It happens with adults. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, like I, I'm the worst part to deal with it. Cause I, I can't let things go. So like, there's no chance that I could ever have a relationship with somebody that wasn't aware that their parents are having total control of their life and things like that. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's very, it's very difficult. And, um, you know, the only way, well, at least in those situations, one of the things I recommend is everything through email, everything through text, uh, no, no verbal interactions, no verbal decision-making, no verbal conclusions, no verbal plans, everything in writing. Because when they say, I didn't say that, you just pull it up and you say, yep, yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> um, and that's yeah. it. And you leave it alone after that. But if you, it, you know, with a parent, if you can't cut them out completely, then you work on setting boundaries 
And those boundaries are allowed to change over time. As you get older, you may need more boundaries. As you go through different stages in your life, you may need more boundaries um, or less boundaries or different types of boundaries. So it's based on you, not them. And the broken record like rule doesn't work with narcissistic parents, right? Like you can't just be a broken record and stick to your boundaries and say the same things over and over and over again and just plant it in. I mean, they're just going to, con- do they constantly step over that? Is that not an effect? Well, it's not that they'll step over it. They'll yeah. go left and come up with something else. Yeah. So like whatever door you block them at, they'll just come up with another strategy to do it to get fuel from you a different way. They'll, just they'll, go, they'll go to like your wife yeah. this time instead of going to you or the, you know, they'll triangulate. Um, yeah, someone said they'll say you're rude, right? Like as soon as you start setting boundaries, like I said earlier in the podcast, it's, you know, I don't like your therapist. Like they're changing you. You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't remember. I was a great parent. You just pick out the bad stuff. And I mean, yeah. 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 And so what after, you know, um, what, what can we do, I, I guess, to uh, start that? that healing process of, uh, you know, okay, my, my parents really don't care about me. And what's, what is, what's the first move? I mean, Um, to you. So one is therapy and find somebody who specializes in this. Mm -hmm. Um, there, they are out there. Um, look at their Instagram pages, look at their Facebook pages, not someone who just says they do it, but just make sure you look at what they write about, what they post, the conversations that they have, um, things like that. So therapy, there's a lot of support groups, believe it or not, for children of narcissistic parents. Um, They are out there as well. That is very helpful to see that it's not a you thing, that this same exact pattern is so identical to other people that you don't even know. So again, it gives you that validation of like, oh, wow, all right, there's a pattern to this. So maybe it isn't me. I wasn't the bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as far as the, the parents never loving or the parent, a narcissistic parent loves in whatever way they can. loves their child inside a certain set of conditions. And when those certain set of conditions are met, then they are rewarded by being the golden child, by gifts, by money, by um, words of encouragement. When those conditions shift, Mm -hmm. and you won't know they shift, and you're still over here, you're now bad again. So it's a constant struggle for the child to figure out how to meet these parents' conditions to be, quote, loved. So translate that into adulthood. You can imagine the types of relationships that that they are familiar with. Mm. Rather than feeling all that stuff internally for themselves, they seek it out. And what do we know about things that are like this? You don't know when you are going to get it right? Intermittent reinforcement schedule. Intermittent reinforcement schedules are the hallmark of narcissistic personality relationships. You never know what you're going to get. And just when you think you figured it out, they switch it up again. So you're constantly chasing that high. And for children, it's that, it's that love. 
which really isn't. It's just that conditional love, that praise, that, that, you know, pat on the head that you get. Yeah. Just to, just to kind of keep you going and be like, Oh, they, the, and I even see, uh, I saw some people commenting it. Oh, he, they're changing for the first time or, or it's like, no, yeah, no, they're not. No. And, and, uh, sorry, I think it was Carol who was in there. Now, if, 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 Someone wants to reconcile after 27 years of marriage and two cheatings. No. Who wants no. to reconcile? I, uh, someone in our chat was, was saying after 27 years of, of not being together or something like that, they wanted they're to reconcile. They're the same. If they're a narcissist, yeah. they're the same. Yeah, they're, they never They never, they never changed. changed. Nothing changes. Get and out. yes, I know there are people that are saying, she's terrible. People can change. People, they can, everybody can change. Not yeah. somebody without zero insight who's a narcissist. Exactly. Yeah. We're unwilling to. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of that. And that's the same thing, which it makes this incredibly hard with parents is because, you know, it's always that, especially if you get that one little piece of bad advice that you can change your parents' behaviors into loving you again or whatever, whatever they're trying to sell well, you. Well, here's the thing. You can change your parents' behaviors if you're not in a narcissistic dynamic. Right. You yeah. can change your behaviors in response to them in a narcissistic dynamic. Yes, but you can't change your parents. If you do, it's because it's by default because you threw them off balance or they moved as a result. Yeah. Um, but but you the best thing you can do is learn to respond to them mm -hmm. in a way that allows you to walk away from each situation neutral, meaning mm -hmm. not angry, not happy not sad because remember all of those emotions good bad ugly doesn't matter the narcissistic parent gets power from that because they caused that they have control over your emotions so any response good or bad is fuel for them but if you give them neutrality it's like a sleek wall they have nothing to grab yeah. onto to climb over so you respond and ignoring is not neutral right Correct. Neutral. There are certain responses that are kind of these like staple responses that I give to patients in certain situations um, that you can say this. This is a neutral response um, down to the tone of your voice, your body posture. Um, that's the best thing you can do. Um, and somebody had said in here, well, you can try again with a narcissist in 20 years and they may love you. But again, that love is just going to be they're happy that they're getting what they want in that moment from you. So you're going to miss, it may look like love because they're going to give that off, but that's not really love. They're yeah. not really giving you love. They're just making you think that they love you so that you'll keep doing what you're doing so they can keep getting what they want. Yeah. Yeah. It's a game. It's a complete game to them. And it's finally like giving you that little bit of approval that you might've been yeah. seeing the entire time. Um, can you give a neutral response even if you totally don't feel like it? Okay, so somebody said, can I give a neutral response if I don't feel like it? Let me ask you this. This is where people get confused about thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Thoughts and feelings are in here. They have no impact in reality. Behaviors, if you could see it with a video, it's real. So can you have a neutral response and not feel like it? I don't know. Have you ever gone to work and not felt like it? Yeah. Have you ever cooked dinner and not felt like it, but cooked anyway? What would happen if you waited to feel like going to work mm. before you went? I'd never go. You'd never go. Yeah. Um, so yes, you are going to act neutral and at the same exact time be pissed as hell. Yep. If you wait 
to feel neutral, it's Already never going to happen. Yeah. It's not about what you feel. It's about the behaviors at first. Yeah. A neutral example would be, and this is uh, honestly something I probably deal with on an every other day basis, is a text that comes in screaming hot on like, where is this or X, Y, and Z? Are mm -hmm. the, why aren't the kids doing this? Mm -hmm. How come the groceries aren't sorted? How come I, you know, I have to pay for that or whatever? Mm -hmm. Simply just going, here is the no worries. No, I wouldn't even say no worries. Or, or it's, just, it's just a very informational response back. The facts only. Um, yes. If it is in any way, shape, or form an emotion-based word, or yeah. anything other than the facts, you do not include it. They will never get it. They will never care and they won't understand and they don't care to understand. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna get mad at yourself for going there. I just need to get it out. I just need, maybe if I say it this way or I just need to get it off my chest. Get trust it out me, of the <laughs> Send it to a friend. Yeah. Because so it's not, you're, trust me, you're going to get so much more from them by sending the facts. And here's the other thing, and this is the, the fun thing about texting or emails. If you're texting with somebody who's a narcissist and they're asking you certain questions, you know, about whatever, where is this, where is that, where is this, and you're answering the facts and then they start going off about something unrelated. Even if it's in the same text string, don't respond to it. Yep. I don't care what they write, don't respond to it. Even if right before that they said, what time is the kid's doctor's appointment? And you said three o'clock and then they start going on a rant about something else. But as soon as they go back to what's the address of the doctor's office, mm. you respond. Do you see what I'm saying? So you kind of, you're not waiting for them to change. They're never going to change. All right. you can do, you're going to respond to the things that are fact-based that you are able to write back without emotions. Imagine getting into an argument with all the other stuff. I mean, you're never going to win because it's, it's just not winnable. Right. And even if you won, they don't realize that you won. So it, it, it's the facts. And, and, and if it's a fact that they can figure out on their own that they don't need you for, then you don't write back at all. Uh -uh. Nope. And that's, the, that's a good rule, too. Is just, it's, and feel crappy about it at the same time. Feel guilty. Feel bad. Feel sad. Feel scared. And at the same time, don't write them back. If a text ever goes from looking like this to looking like this, yep. swipe, do not disturb, that's right. phone down. That's away. right. That's right. There to make you mad. It's like an addiction, right? Yeah. Every time you see those texts, you get triggered and it's like you want to so badly throw it back on them because it's a release for you. But all it does is just make you needing more and needing more and needing more. Yeah. And Anna, the same, the same way, like it doesn't matter if it's a parent or anybody else. Yeah. Their neutral response is literally the only, the yeah. only with no, no emotion, which uh, Dr. Z has been pointing out beautifully tonight. Yeah. Um, I, I had to just say, before we get out of here, do you, do you feel as though that narcissistic parenting behavior, et cetera, was more or less accepted from the generation of my parents, like baby boomers, essentially? Like, I think that's a, a, in large part from the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. It was just accepted that this is how it is, and you just have to deal with this, and so on and so on. Because I see I mean, that... I think that that's how mental illness was viewed, period. Yeah. I don't think it was a narcissistic thing. I think it was just this mental health was, you don't talk about it. You just, you just keep trucking away. I mean, yeah. 
you know, you, you, you do what you're told. And if the messages are mixed, messages are mixed and this is how it is, you know, and, you know, I, I know there were, you know, a, a lot of intergenerational trauma too, that played a huge role in a lot of the personality styles that were developed. Um, so, you know, you, not that that is an excuse now, but if we're looking right. back at that, there was definitely a lot of intergenerational trauma for certain cultures, certain religions that, that trickled down. And typically speaking, and, and there's been research on this, but I'm sure it varies. Typically the third generation of intergenerational trauma is, is the cycle breaker. Um, so that with a lot of people, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously for long-standing intergenerational trauma that, you know, repeats itself and continues to repeat itself. That's a different situation, different conversation altogether. Um, that's, a, that's when it gets extremely tricky and, and how you explain mental health and separate it from that. It's very difficult. So, um, but generally speaking, narcissistic personality disorder is, there's some research that is genetic. However, the majority of it is learned patterns of behavior. You don't need to have a narcissistic parent to um, develop narcissistic personality. You can have a very over-controlling parent. You can have a neglectful parent. Um, you can have an alcoholic parent. You can have, you know, it doesn't have to be um, just a narcissistic parent and then you model that behavior. It's a pattern of yeah. responding to the world around you to make sense of it. And when you have enough toxicity around you, that narcissistic pattern at a young age helped protect you, right? Yeah. It helps protect you, it blocked everything out. It, no awareness, I'm good, it's my world, I can protect this, nobody can penetrate this. It worked for you then. The problem is if it doesn't shift gears as the context changes, yet you're still functioning like that, as if there's a threat and there's not. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, man, I, I, I don't know what we do without you, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, uh, I think it's great we don't understand about you know, the layers of all this stuff. And yeah. We, we obviously, like, I, I know, I can speak honestly, we're, we're wrapped up in our own shit most yeah, of the time. Yeah, we are. You know, we can't, we can't find a way out. We're just doing, running around in circles. So shit we, rappers. Yeah, shit rappers. There you go. <laughs> Put that on a T-shirt. Um, uh, well, I everybody too for uh, tuning in live again tonight uh, on a Monday. And again, apologize. It'll probably be the last last little uh, scheduling uh, faux pas that we have uh, going on here. And I also want to thank our third co-host. Yay! We made it through this oh entire. Oh my goodness! And and beautiful and great and all this. Hello. She is why we do all these things. Oh my too. gosh! It makes me want another one for a it's, minute. It, she is like the sweetest, uh, most uh, wonderful baby on earth. It's, mm. it's, it's, and it's my first one, so I get all the of it. Um, Dr. Z, anything you want to say before we close on out here? Um, no, I, I guess I think just, just, you know, for those of you watching that are in these situations, no, you are not alone. Um, it's it's, it's um, more common than you think. It's just that it's not talked about because it's shameful, embarrassing, and you know, all that stuff, and that there is help available. Um, no, just because they are your parents does not mean you need to continue to take the abuse, and there is a way out, and um, just remember that.
Sometimes you just got to say, fuck them, you know? Just got to say, fuck them. <laughs> Keep doing what you do. Oh, exactly. Just be. Shit rappers and fuck them. <laughs> Shit rappers and fuck them. That's right. Got to, got to, got to get on, get on moving on. And uh, we hope you guys have a great week. It's been, uh, it's been a great <laughs> Hope it's a great week for you. And uh, little did, um, I, I mean, we started this project. I wanted to keep this quiet right until the end. But Dr. Z, I have literally not had my headphones working the entire time. It's just been a prop, essentially. It's just been here, you know. I think they've been waterlogged and broken. <laughs> so That just made my... There you go. I'm going to say life. Yeah, no, the, like the first second of the broadcast, I'm like, oh, God, she's coming through my speaker. I'm not changing it. So, so yes, I have had the ultimate technical glitch through this entire time. You're up, to, I think, two to nothing now. Yes. <laughs> yes. With uh, that being said, be good. Be good. Yeah, make sure to go subscribe to the podcast, <laughs> Stars on Apple. And uh, we will see you here next Sunday at 8 p.m. Bye, Dr. Z. Thank Bye. you. Bye.